All right then, welcome back to the Foxhole, Fox Trotting in the Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 11, Number 171 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here for another week of dishing out what's going on in the world of sports. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com, Mixler for the tunes we use in the podcast. Shout out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation for folks around the globe want to be on the podcast sponsor it ftinfx at gmail.com definitely want to be on the podcast we got some good things in the hopper talking to some folks and uh, as we move closer to the football into the fall things are about to start popping in the foxhole all right let's get rocking with some open face where shall we start how about Concord High School? Down in the Bay Area. <sighs> Dropping the Minutemen nickname. I guess you must say, where does the madness end? Now, they're not so they claim it's not so much about the revolutionary war ties, you know, Concord, Massachusetts, Concord, New Hampshire, Concord, California. But more, they're talking about trying to do away with mascots that have a human likeness. Yeah, okay. I don't even know where to go with that one. Um, I think where it's clearly racist and offensive might be one thing. You know, and maybe if it's like gender specific, like, you know, here in Eugene how Safi Jean Axman became the Axe. Yeah, I might see that, just to be more inclusive. But getting away with mascots that have human likeness, I think that's just taking it a bit over the top. I don't know, you let me know if what you think. F-T-I-N-F-X at Gmail. Drop me a line. Love to hear from you. Then we have the blinder side. You know, a movie. Sure, if you... Love sports, you know what's been going on there. Apparently, I don't even know where to go with this one either. You know, apparently, you know, Michael O thinks he was duped by that family. You know, obviously the movie with uh, Sandra Bullock and the heart-tugging story and claiming that these folks obviously took a lot of money because he, you know, ran his conservatorship. And now he wants to get paid more. The family's pushing back, saying, nah, man, everybody got paid in this. I mean, if it's a sham, that's one thing. But I'm looking at Michael O and going, dude, at some point, couldn't you have taken a firmer grip of your finances and control of your life? especially since you had a pro I would think your agent would have stepped in and said F these people this will be interesting once this plays itself out in the courts like everything else in this lifetime right okay then we have a little sage and still <laughs> that's right sagey wagey leaving the four letter network the woke leader now, obviously, with her 
conservative views and her anti-vax stances made her real popular, but they couldn't get rid of her. It's still all out of court, and now she's going off to greet her pastors. She was just on Megyn Kelly's show talking about how life over there was so torturous. And for someone like her, I'm sure it was. But nonetheless, she still got paid, still was able to keep her job because ESPN couldn't be couldn't get rid of her. And now you have folks like the OutKick crowd jumping to her defense, making her, you know, this incredible patriot, when like many other people on the woke leader, you all really aren't that good, and I hate to say it, you won't be missed, and I really doubt unless Fox decides to give you a job, the second act is going to be as good as the first one in your case, Miss Dill. Hey, best wishes to you, whatever you end up doing next. Okay, and we find out that first fake is going to hire Uncle Shay to come on two times a week. Is this a sign of desperation by that show? Well, I know Stephen A. was out this past week. And you know what I think of Stephen A. It is what it is. But that show was truly unwatchable. And I'm not being misogynist or a hater here because I think the males and the females both all suck. You know, hearing them talk about football is about as bad as having to watch a Little League World Series in this window before football. It's it's terrible. And they just sit there and banter back and forth. And I don't know, most of us amateurs probably have forgotten more about football, basketball, and the other things they talk about <laughs> than they actually even know. But yet somehow they're experts. Yeah, okay. Another interesting one. Florida Democrats thinking about recruiting Dwayne Wade for office, take a Senate run to unseat Republican Rick Scott. If you're D. Wade, stay away from this. I know that Florida's getting a little cranky because it's becoming more red over time, but you're not going to unseat this guy, and you don't need to go where Herschel Walker failed. Enjoy your best life, and don't let these clowns use you because they feel your popularity in that state might give you a puncher's chat, puncher's chance, I should say, at unseating <laughs> Rick Scott. Oof. Then we have Chief Superfan, Xavier Babier. I've told you about him many times before. Well, he's finally faced the music last week, having to appear in federal court for all of his shenanigans. Well, I hope robbing all those banks and all the other scams were worth it as far as being able to go to the Chiefs games. Hopefully, when you're in the Gray Bar Hilton, they'll allow you to watch the Chiefs on Sunday, because that's about the closest you're going to get to Arrowhead or Chiefs Kingdom for the time being. And that might be quite a bit, because I'm sure... They frown upon what you did. They don't want other people following your lead in terms of funding your best life, being able to rock it at Chief's Kingdom in that silly costume that you wore. Okay. Okay, we know it's T-Sizzle's universe and we're all living in it, right? You know, I've had lots of conversations all weekend about the Swifty phenomenon that has 
taking hold of the United States and the world. She's extended her tour into next year, bringing lots of money to the communities. So what was it? I think Seattle, I think they were saying she brought like $33 million into the economy. So there's no hate on the says. Okay, let's just let's, let's make that clear. But I think it's interesting is that, and this is not confirmed yet, but the powers that be wanted her to be the lead act at the upcoming Super Bowl. It's in Vegas, right? And apparently she says no. Wow. Somebody said no to being a lead entertainer of the Super Bowl? Not really shocking, you know, given how people feel about the NFL. But let's face it, it is her world we're living in it. And she's like, hey, I've got, I don't need the NFL's biggest stage. I am the stage. But how about fans trying to overrun a New Jersey restaurant just to watch her eat? And what is this, Beatlemania kind of stuff? I'm not sure what the objective is as far as rushing a place. Do you think with thousands of you there, she's going to have time to talk to you? Her security's going to let anybody get near? Come on, people. Get a fucking life. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being obsessed with her and going to her shows and dropping lots of cash and living your best life, but crowding a restaurant just because she's there? I mean, talk about some asinine stuff. Okay, then we have our man, Mr. Baker Mayfield, trying to play his way back to respectability. How about his dad costing him $12 million making bad investments, and now him and his baby are taking Pops to court? Moral of the story here, when you make that kind of cash, don't let your family be your financial advisor. Go get a real pro. Even if your dad is a pro, these things, more often than not, usually don't work out well. And then you end up in a nasty court situation, just like Michael Lowe, <laughs> bakers of the same predicament. Quick circle back to one of the things we were following when this segment used to be the COVID Chronicles. I guess Blackhawks, Jonathan Toes, is going to take another year off as he continues to regain full strength after overcoming long-haul COVID-19. Which is, you know, to all you deniers out there, this is no joke. He says he's not retired, but he is taking more time to get back to full strength. Hey, best of wishes to you. And this stuff's no joke if you get it for long haul, especially somebody, you know, these athletes. And he's one of many that we've talked about over the, you know, the three years of doing this podcast. Okay. Big shock here. <laughs> you know, one of our friends of the show, or about to be a friend of the show when we get her on the podcast, or the other podcast we're soon, always telling us to watch Winning Time because, you know, I've not been down with it. You know, obviously I'm a big Lakers fan, and it's like, I live that whole story. I don't need HBO's cheesy treatment of it. But that said, HBO says it, it, Winning Time is going to need better ratings if there is to be a season three. No shock there. But of course, the only downside of that is I would like to see how they play the Kobe Shaq years. But, you know, from most people I've talked to, they've said stay away from it. You know, other people like it, but the ratings say otherwise. 
All right, folks, we'll be back with the 43K view when we come back or on the other side, something like that. Doing this on a Monday morning, real early. Should have had this done yesterday, but MLS was back and some other stuff, so we're recording it now. That is always trying to like get as much content in as possible. So we'll be splitting some of the talking points up because a lot of things happened this weekend. Save stuff for episode one seventy two. But in the meanwhile, it's early enough. We'll forget the adult beverages. Had a few of those late last night. Stick to the energy drinks. Get a few of our friends. Hop in the lift. Get to the Eugene Airport. Even though it's still smoky out there. Board our Gulfstream 650. And let's take the high view above campus. Let's get you know, our altitude set to 43,000 feet. And let's look down on the campuses. Where, as usual, there's a lot going on as we get closer to another school year in college football, 23-24. Well, let's start off with the CFP broadcasting rights that come up in 2026. And, you know, I was mentioning the woke leader in the last segment. One has to wonder, does ESPN slash Disney need to go all out to reverse that Network's sagging reputation and try to snag all the rights for the expanded playoff? Or is it a situation now where everybody sees big money and this gets broken up in several pieces? It's going to be kind of interesting because to me, I'm in the opinion that ESPN and Disney, even with their reputation sagging, they do what they do. So it's going to exist in some format, even if they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. They still have the NFL, they still have the in, they still have the NBA, and they still have ties to conferences. But yes, it is gonna be a battle royale in terms of who walks away and now left probably two and a half years or probably even the negotiations will start before that. Who comes away with the rights to the CFP, especially, you know, by that time, it'll be its third iteration. And also, all of the shakeup with all the conferences will probably be clear by then, but we do know this, it's, you know, a printing press, almost comparable to, you know, what's going on over in Saudi Arabia right now. So definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on as the desk continues to settle in terms of what the next normal will look like, because this new normal is obviously morphing into another one. Okay. So, the whole thing with Northwestern keeps getting interesting. A thousand former Northwestern athletes praise the athletic culture and its programs and are pushing back. And this is going to get ugly. Just saw something today about people signing another petition, you know, calling the school out for not 
giving Mr. Fitzgerald due pot process. And with the lawsuits that the athletes have already filed, this is probably going to be ugly and probably take about two years to, for us to really get down to the truth and Northwestern to get back on a trajectory where we're not talking about this nonsense. But yeah, not surprising that many former athletes are coming back saying, what are you talking about? As I've said many times before, I want to get to the bottom of this because I want to know, is this just you know, an athletic culture gone soft or were you know, this another situation of a Bobby Knight type of situation out of control? The bad, you know, the bad behavior narrative that we've been talking about for the last three years that it is definitely on its way out. It's probably somewhere in between in terms of there are some problems, but then again, there are some folks that have got people whispering in their ears, like saying, yeah, man, I, I, I was done wrong. And you get an agent and a lawyer together, you never know. <laughs> Especially if you aren't going to be playing on Sundays or in the NBA or whatever sport is lucrative. I don't know what all the crying would be about, especially since you've got NIL and Northwestern is in a poverty school. Anyways, they're one of those things that will be interesting to see how it plays out over the next year or so. Okay. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Is this guy a knucklehead or is he a pure genius? You know, he got upset this week with a fight during, uh, you know, preseason camp, whatever the hell you call it. And he was angry that not everybody jumped in. As he says, if one fights, we all fight. Now, for team building, I sort of get it. But I've never been one to buy into that nonsense. Because if somebody's being a knucklehead, you're supposed to go and get your jaw broke. I don't, I, this tough guy act that he's pulling, if it results in the Buffalo, let's say, becoming a force, I'll shut up. But if he falls on his face, I'm coming with both barrels. Because, as I said a second ago, the bad behavior narrative and this whole Bobby Knight kind of tough guy stuff, that's gone, that's, that's, that's part of the past. And he gets away with it because we're infatuated with him somehow. So, Prime, you better deliver or a lot of people are going to come after you because right now it is up for debate whether you are a pure knucklehead or a genius. But as they say, the results in the end will tell us everything we ever wanted to know. Okay. Nothing new with what happens next with Harbaugh. The toothless NCAA really finding themselves in a <laughs> weird spot here, as they have many times before. But I think in this one in particular, this could be a harbinger of things to come if this doesn't get resolved quickly. Obviously, not being able to come to a resolution and suspend them for games that don't matter, you think. Michigan's going to stand by in the Big Ten 
when it, when it comes to conference play as far as him being out for four games. Forget about the whole thing with Jawan Howard. Yeah, because Jawan Howard was suspended, but that didn't really... That was in, you know, the November-December window where nobody's even watching college basketball. And so for this not to get resolved right now, one has to wonder, is this going to be next year? Or is the NCAA going to show that, hey, we do have some enforcement? Nobody believes it at this point, and... This might be, like I said, a harbinger of things to come in terms of the power sports. We won't even say conference. We'll just say the power sports breaking away and doing their own thing, as we're seeing all over the globe right now. Yeah. Can't wait to see how this plays out in the weeks to come. But yes, I don't think the NCAA is in a good spot here. Okay. So up the Big 12, obviously on the move with new pieces. Apparently last week they had discussions to add Gonzaga and UConn as far as basketball goes. I mean, adding UConn and football, please. And even though Gonzaga doesn't have football, they talked about it, but in the end decided not to go that way. This is kind of interesting simply because even as big as college basketball is come tournament time it's still a small fish in the water compared to football and I think the Big 12 not adding Gonzaga and UConn is indicative of that yeah they have a conversation about it but man this doesn't make any sense okay then the are we getting old or what so, September 30th, speaking of Prime, isn't it crazy when you think about, it just seems like it was, I won't say yesterday, but not that long ago, that when the Niners and Cowboys would have their titanic battles, when the Cowboys and Niners were basically at the top of the NFL, Jerry Rice and Dion going at it head-to-head, -head, some epic battles, well, that when USC plays Colorado on September 30th, Prime and Jerry Rice's sons will be lining up against each other. And once again, you know, maybe I need to break up the, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the dye and dye my hair because obviously I'm getting long in the tooth when, they're, when their sons are old enough to be playing college football. Yeah, crazy. All right. And then we have Bo Knows Manhattan. The Ducks doing a little retro. Remember the Joey Heisman billboards long ago in conjunction with the Yes Network to promote Joey's Heisman campaign? Once again, how are we getting old? Well, the Ducks are going to do that again as a billboard last week went up for Bo Nix's potential Heisman run. Which is kind of interesting. How come you didn't do that for Mariota, who actually won it, or Herbert, if you had taken the cellophane wrapper on him and let him play, you know, were probably more viable candidates at the beginning of the year than Bo Nix is. But nonetheless, Oregon, you know, doing what it can to get as much attention on the national stage. Hey, good for Bo. 
And if they have, they want to spend their money that way, more power to them. But of course, if you're looking, if you're in Manhattan, you're just like going, huh? <laughs> okay. The Beavers unveiled the new look racer. Let first the media and fans check it out. And from the things I've read, and also talking to friends of the show, Andy G next door. Everybody seems to be quite satisfied. Of course, we're still wondering where the pack four will land or who will land with them. That's the bigger story in the background. Another week passes, and we're moving closer into this lame duck gear, and there is no clear indication where any of this is going. People are looking around the room saying, hey, hey, what about us? What about us? You know, Cal, Stanford, you know, Wazoo, and obviously Oregon State. As, as many people, you know, Alec Ward and I had a long talk about that. I still think it's salvageable. And it's going to be interesting. Because Paul Puig is going to take... <sighs> It may not get resolved until they until we start getting into the off season and things start getting serious. But it's going to be awkward because I know if you're Oregon State and you're Washington State, do you say no more civil war, no more apple cup, out of spite? You know the sinister side of me says, yeah. You know, you all want to leave without us? Well, f you all. That's how I would play it. Boy, this is going to be such an interesting fall. Okay. Then we have the theater of the absurd. Got to have that every now and then, right? Well, the new law in Michigan that allows liquor licenses to be issued at sporting venues, obviously college, <laughs> where you can now get that drink. Okay, welcome to the 21st century. Well, actually, welcome to the 19... You know, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the 1990s. But here's the thing why I bring this up. How about Governor Gretchen Whitmer? Remember her? When those wackos, you know, the Patriots wanted to kidnap her and do sinister things to her? Well, we're not going to say we're, we're not going to touch that one. But I can see why people think she's a whack ball. Because she had the audacity to come out and say, well, allowing alcohol at Michigan State and Michigan games will curb binge drinking. And then the same breath say it'll also bring in a lot of revenue. Well, hun, duh, it's going to bring good cash and that's why you're doing it. Don't try to bring the little woke thing about curbing binge drinking because you know people binge drink before and binge drink throughout. That's why college college football Saturdays are one big drunken no free-for-all. Cut down on binge drinking? Really? Like people are going to drink less at the tailgate because they can get a few overpriced beers inside? Are you kidding me? Okay. Let's, let's talk a little hardwood. This Australia's NBL, their National Basketball League, really starting to get some traction here. Five-star recruit, Trenton Flowers, 
foregoing Louisville because he left high school early to start attending Louisville, coming off of its worst season since World War II when they were 4-28. and He is the latest to go join this league. And it makes you wonder because in a, in a, in a time with NIL and other perks, people are saying, well, shit, I still have to go to class. Hell, I'd just rather, you know, get paid and work on my game. And you have to wonder, especially with the Saudis and other folks trying to get up their game in terms of creating professional leagues, is this another threat to college basketball as we know it? And I say, yes, it is. I mean, sure, there'll be plenty of people that fill rosters, but if you are losing five-star recruits to these leagues, the quality is going to suffer. Interesting times we live in. Okay, we'll close it with this. So, we've been touting women's college basketball going next level. And obviously, I think part of that is seeing if Paige Bookers can join Miss Clark, the LSU super team, and create all kinds of fascinating storylines. Well, I'm really hoping that Bukers actually can make it back to the court. You know, she's been cleared to play, but she's being held out of UConn's upcoming European tour. Because, you know, these schools go over and start fine-tuning by playing over in Europe in exhibitions and whatnot. Maybe it's for a precaution, given how fragile she is, but hopefully she's able to play because I think that if she's even 80%, it's going to create some incredible storylines and great matchups, and that's what we want to see, yeah? All right, folks, we'll be back with something you should probably know on the other side. Back to Fox Trigon and Foxhole, episode 171. 0611 for those keeping score. In the land of the apocalypse, as we've got the Northwest inundated with smoke, hurricanes hitting the Southern California and into the desert and causing flooding, and an earthquake also in Ojai. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, the four horsemen might be just cruising up the plane here. <sighs> Time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know. Or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might want to know or care about. So much going on with this. Yeah, I definitely have to like withhold some content for the next episode because a lot of cool stuff happened yesterday. Golf and... Uh, Auto racing, yeah. So, but nonetheless, let's see, what do we got here? So, another week, another athlete caught doping. This time, it's a boxer, junior lightweight Alicia Baumgartner. She denies wrongdoing, but come on, man. (laughs) 
We gotta talk a little bit more about this in a closer look. You know, because I've got a chance to watch the Falco documentary and what I've been constantly harping from day one, even before the many years before this. Yeah. <laughs> you you can't trust anything anymore that if it looks superhuman, it's probably because you're having some help with performance enhancing drugs. And the idea that Congress was able to clean this up after you know the early scandals in the late nineties into the two thousands is laughable considering the number of folks who continue to get busted on a weekly basis. Yeah, speaking of, race, uh, of auto racing, so we'll go with last week before we talk about what happened yesterday. I still got to unpack that. Even though I was watching at the Glen, I can tell you about the Brickyard 200 and like Michael McDowell getting a second career win and securing a playoff spot. Had a bad weekend. He looked good yesterday as well for, for a while. But I think the bigger story for me is NASCAR and Netflix possibly hooking up to do a docu-series on the 23 playoffs. Good idea? Or really? Well, I'm usually cynical about these sort of things, but I think this is a good idea. As we all know, the Tin Tops popularity has faded quite a bit since the Halsey Collin days of the Intimidator, Jeff Gordon, and, and you know all the folks that made that sport colorful. Is with the Intimidator's passing and a more corporate look to NASCAR, it's not quite as interesting. Not to mention, you know, some of the other unfortunate things that have gone on, you know, which may be better culturally <laughs> or not. But I think ever since they've gone to the playoffs, it hasn't really gotten a lot of traction. And we don't really know what, at least I don't, and I kind of follow the sport, what the playoffs really entail, especially since I didn't have the corner man on this year. We'll get him on at some point again. You can guarantee that. But, yeah, I think if you can somehow make this compelling and make it watchable, this might not be a bad idea. I mean, <laughs> throw some money at it. If people don't watch, nobody's going to lose sleep over it. But it's definitely a way to get some more eyeballs back on that circuit. And if it's done right, definitely will help, I think, the sports sacking popularity. So good luck there. I'm sure I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot if they get this thing to fly. Okay. As far as F1 goes, you know, they basically have taken the month off. They're not going to hit the road again until next weekend. But in the meanwhile, we're finding out that the Miami Grand Prix, which we've talked about before, a star-studded event where everybody gets a chance to show they're living their best life, they are resisting the temptation to race under the lights. For now. As 2024 will be in the daytime. You know, Vegas is just getting ready to, to enthrall us Thanksgiving weekend with its race at night. I, <clears throat> yeah, I, I can kind of appreciate 
you know, keeping it in the daytime. But I think the global, we'll get the global audience in. It's probably going to have to switch tonight. So, hey, folks for the World Cup <laughs> in these weird start times. <laughs> I'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah, I think it's cool for now. But I don't think this, I think down the road, this race will also be at night just to get a bigger audience because after all, it is all about generating those dollars. Okay, this is an interesting one. There will be an open category at the World Cup event in Berlin. This is swimming, October 6th through 8th. And I think all eyes will be on this to gauge how this will work and whether there will be a great deal of pushback about this. You know, and the whole thing about trans athletes competing in women's events came up. We mentioned this a long time ago, that this is the only viable solution. It was kind of good to see you know, the swimming governing bodies give this a try. You know there's going to be a lot of pushback on this, but this seems to be the best solution in terms of keeping, and not going to make everybody happy, but to keep things on a semi-level playing field can't wait to see how this plays out. Hmm. You know, okay, speak, I was just talking about doping a second ago. This will come up, you know, again repeatedly. You know, Sebastian Coe. Yes, that's Sebastian Coe, the famed miler of the 80s, 1500, 800 as well. That was a stud along with Steve Cram and all that stuff back in the day. He gets a third term for the World Athletics president. And I'm like, wow, you want a third term when you have to deal with doping and this whole trans I I issue in terms of you know, fair competition? Not going to be a easy next term for him in terms of being able to weed through these issues, which definitely are going to be at the forefront of international competitions in this next window. So, hey, props for you wanting another term, but I don't envy the job that's in front of you. Okay, and of course, as I say this, I'm just looking down and see that another a British doctor for, this is Recycling Team Sky, he gets a four-year ban. Guess what? For doping. Gee whiz. Okay, on a lighter side, how about 2028 Olympics? Going to be in Los Angeles. And they're planning to add some new sports on the potential list. Black football? And that could be interesting. Maybe make black football take off, especially if you can get it to be a global thing. Baseball, softball, which makes plenty of sense, especially given how electrifying the World Baseball Classic was this last iteration. Lacrosse? That's kind of interesting. And then you've got breakdancing where I'm like, huh? <laughs> so we'll see if any of this flies. I do think baseball and softball, that's a slam dunk. Black football, that eh, could be interesting. Lacrosse, I don't know. <laughs> In terms of, you know, how fast that, you know, how what impact it is globally. I mean, it doesn't even make that much of an impact here, so I don't know. Okay, we'll talk a little golf here. Great stuff last week. We'll get into a little bit more next week as we 
head to the finale at East Lake. They were at Olympia Fields yesterday. Guy kept, yeah, well, yeah, what a finish. But let's talk about Brandel Chambly. Yes, the outspoken Brandel Chambly. You know, he has been on the pulpit screaming about the evils of live and how it's ruining golf and his personal vendetta against Phil Mickelson. Well, now he thinks Phil has disgraced golf so much that he wants him booted from the Golf Hall of Fame. What do we think about that? Not much. I mean, okay. I can appreciate Mr. Chamley trying to be a purist and upholding the virtues of golf. But in that same vein as Barry Bonds, Dude was a Hall of Famer long before these shenanigans. And at some point, we need to quit being so self-righteous. You know, if he was dirty and full of shenanigans throughout his career, you might have a point. But, you know, he's been, you know, a top five golfer most of his career. Arguably one of the ten best golfers of all time. So you think he's a douche? But make him from the Golf Hall of Fame? Come on. Have a latte, sit back and chill, <laughs> and, you know, forget about some of the pontificating you've been doing there, Mr. Chamley. Okay. And from the Mel Allen, how about that? Americans ranked one and two in the women's world golf ratings for the first time in quite some time, and maybe the first time ever. Lilia Vu and Nellie Corda won too. Pretty cool. I think we got to give a little props to the ladies for making that happen. If we can cue that up, we're a little bit slow here. Yeah, good to see the ladies tearing it up everywhere. So, good stuff. All right, we will exit from this segment, move our way to the night full of diamonds. Back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, coming to you live from Eagle's Nest 2 Studios. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Another smoky day here in the huge, where we do this podcast from. All kinds of wild stuff going on on the West Coast. And then, you know, obviously, over there in the Southeast, being in, even up in the Midwest, just being a heating element. Dog days of summer in full effect. All right. So what kind of hippie reference do we have today? Hmm. I don't know if I can find one this way. It's kind of quiet with nobody really being on tour right now. You know, other than people kind of like lamenting that Dead and Company are done. I'm telling you, I, I have like a couple of Saturdays every week in honor of that. I know people say I should quit hating on that. Well, what's John Mayer going to do? 
<laughs> All right, enough of that nonsense. Let's get to the real Nightfall of Diamonds, shall we? Well, this is a real interesting one. Miami, not Miami, gee whiz, it is early in the morning. Milwaukee about to be abandoned again. Quick history lesson here. You know, the Braves started out in Boston, and then when Boston was no longer a two-team market, they left to go to Milwaukee in 1953, I believe it was, and they built the first modern stadium, which pretty much sets baseball, you know, on its head, and then some, probably why the Giants and Dodgers left New York, because, you know, right, they had a big parking lot, you can have, you know, what, 43,000 seats, 15,000, you know, cars in the parking lot, more revenue, and they left to Atlanta, and I think, what was it, 1967 or 1968, and the Brewers came a few years later, to give Milwaukee a team again. Well, apparently, I don't know what it's called now. It used to be Miller Park, but it's got some different name. It's hard to keep up with corporate sponsorship. It's about $450 million in repairs and upgrades. And if that doesn't happen, talks are going to begin, I guess, in the offseason about possibly relocating. And I'm thinking to myself, you're about to lose another team? Especially, I've always been curious, and I need to go do a little bit more research. What was the reason they abandoned, the, 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 why the Braves abandoned Milwaukee when they were kind of like the first to have a modern stadium and you know that create you know, the first iteration of how to generate lots of revenue in the modern era? And now you're talking about a ballpark, which... I think whether it opened up in like maybe 2000, 2001. Yeah, I know it's at this point 20 years <laughs> in this age, you know, forget about Oakland, you know, keeping that relic of a ballpark going. That if you don't have upgrades or keeping up with the Joneses, as we like to say, you might be in a problem. I know it kind of sounds weird, you know, they're like, well, gee, a stadium just opened five minutes ago. It's like, hey, bro, in 20 years, things can get outdated very quickly. And I have a feeling the powers of be will have that discussion to raise. You know, it's probably going to end up being a half a billion dollars in, in the end as far as upgrades. But it's really insane when you think about that in terms of these sta stadiums that were built after Camden Yards, and the fact that Camden Yards is almost 40 years old, which is another insanity. But yeah, they're at a point now where they need upgrades. And if they don't, owners may take their ball and toys and go elsewhere, because there's definitely a lot of cities out there that are clamoring to get in, as we've been speaking about for the last few years on this podcast. I'd be really curious to see what happens in Milwaukee. Okay, we told you about Mr. Franco down in Tampa last week. I think homie's about to get cooked. You've got a special prosecutor involved. Now there's multiple gals. Now, I don't want to get into the tawdry aspects of it because I don't have all the facts. And you know how we have this policy about waiting for the story to actually play itself out. But the one thing that really interests me here that... Okay, 
If the girl was 17 or 14, if it's 14, you're cooked. But if it's 17 and he's in his early 20s, yeah. I guess we're just not going to touch that one. But from all looks of it and what people are saying, he's played his last inning in Major League Baseball. And it's like, wow, dude. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, moral of the story. 17, 14, or whatever, if you got a professional career and a great livelihood, stay away from the jailbait. Plenty of legal age women or men or whatever your preference is to have bliss with as opposed to throwing away millions of dollars. Okay. So I think this is interesting. Going back to the woke leader, they did some projections in terms of what they think the modern Babe Ruth, or we will say screw Babe Ruth at this point, blasphemous of course, but Mr. Otani, they think his market value is going to be a $790 million 12-year contract. Think about that, $790 million. Kind of what Mr. Cohen spent on trying to upgrade the Mets. <laughs> Talk about some insanity. Meanwhile, he hit his 42nd home run on Wednesday night, so I think he's going to get the 50. Crazy, isn't it? Okay. Then... Manny being Manny, it's been a while since we've brought up Mr. R Ramirez. He entered the Cleveland Guardians Hall of Fame the other night at the house. He says he built, he fills his time in Cooperstown is coming. What do we say to that? We say, hmm, really? If Barry and Roger are close to being in, there's no way... Your flat boy and ass is getting into Cooperstown, Cooperstown anytime soon, Manny. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but then again, you're so delusional to think you're the reason why it got built. I think there were some other people like, you know, Albert, don't call me Joey Bell, Jim Tomei, and others that also had a lot to do with the Jake and now, what is it, Progressive Field, whatever the hell it's called. These things change every two seconds, but I love that Manny is still being Manny. On the field, Dodgers just really smoking it up. I mean, when I wrote this down, I didn't get a chance to see what happened yesterday. They've won 13 of 14, 17 and 2 in the month of August. And like we said at the beginning of the year, this is supposed to be a down year for the Blue. We had injuries left and right, and they're still cooking it. And as we always say, can you do it when it matters? It's great that you're lighting it up in August, but it won't mean a damn thing if you flame out in the postseason once again. All you have is a COVID championship and this incredible run of division titles, as we've said repeatedly on this podcast. But nonetheless, the Dodgers are balling, balling out. And of course, the Braves at 80 and 42, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Continue to set the standard, and nobody's really talking about what an amazing season they're having down in Hotlanta. As much as we like to think, you know, the Dodgers, you know, this could be their year, the Braves are just like saying, nah, dude, we got this. 
The Orioles and the Rangers and the Brew Crew continue to lead their divisions, holding off, you know, some... I mean, the Rangers obviously holding off the Champs, the O's holding off the Rays, and the Brew Crew, you know, holding off a surprising Cubs who, in spite of being hot, still can't get closer than like three and a half games. Uh, the flip side of it, because you got to talk about the dumpster fires, the Padres, 18 games back, 59 and 66, four and six in their last t- 10. Such a dumpster fire. And as a Dodger fan, you know I'm just giggling, wanting the grandpa cider and just celebrate, considering how much their shit their fans talked about how they're the new power to, to be reckoned with in the National League, and this is what you get. Shockingly, though, up the coast in San Francisco, the Giants' wild card train is now not a sure thing. They're what? They've won two and eight in their last ten. They're still in the thick of things, but if they continue to swoon, they're going to be on the outside looking in. You got the Yankees. Three games under 500. When was the last time they were under 500? Like maybe 95? You know, something. Even if they haven't lived up to the pinstripe standard, they're really crumbling. You know, they're 2 and 8 in their last 10, and that's a what the hell's going on in the Bronx. Between them and the Mets, New York definitely ain't the capital of baseball like it was once about a time. Okay. Then you have Houston's Julio Rodriguez. Setting an MLB record, 17 hits in four games. Uh, this was, you know, right, this, this record goes back to Brooklyn's Milt Stock in 1925 when they were called the Robins. Of course, he's probably better known for giving them the wrong sign and the Dodgers losing that 50 playoff to the Phillies. But nonetheless, props to Mr. Rodriguez, 17 hits in four games, making it happen. All right, we'll be back with a beautiful game life on the other side. Back to Fox, trotting in a foxhole, episode 171. All right, let's go pitch side. Big story. Well, obviously, the Women's World Cup finally coming to an end after an incredible run. Great viewership in spite of the odd viewing times for those of us in this hemisphere. Lots of people packing the stadiums in New Zealand and Australia. But before we get to that, stateside. You knew it was coming, and there's no shock here. Mr. Andovanovsky stepping down as the United States women's team national coach. Flame out like this, you did the right thing and walk away. As simple as that, someone was going to have to fall on the sword. It's not like the men in GB where, hey, you know what? Getting out of the group stage was a good thing, right? You know, in this particular case, bowing out early and 
not being there and all the criticism. Carly Lloyd still not shutting up. Alexi Lawless and others getting their barbs in. Yeah, it's time to change a new direction. Going to be interesting as, you know, some of the long and the two folks probably won't be around when the World Cup comes around. And, you know, whether or not a new coach can come in and reshape their focus, even if that's really the case. You know, as this thing has gotten a little bit politicized, Nobody the outkicks and the MAGA types, you know, don't really have much time for that. Because I think the harsh reality of it, folks, this is going to be part of what sports is about, you know, especially, you know, when you're still fighting for equal pay, equal airtime, and these sort of things, and the fact that there's a lot of screwed up things in the world. However, when you don't get the job done, though, on the big stages, it definitely leaves a window for that type of criticism and that kind of nitpicking. I think it's going to be, you know, pretty incumbent on the next person who fills this seat to get the focus back to what they do on the pitch and, you know, the successes that come with it as far as making them a little bit more of a likable product. Maybe it won't matter if this next iteration of the United States women's national team kicks ass like it's done through most of this century. As they say, time will tell. Okay. So you had, you know, England ending Australia's incredible run, the Matildas, you know, tears all over the place. You know, Spain ending Sweden's magic carpet ride. I mean, right? Like I said, tournament's been a smash hit. Great football, tickets, large viewership. Spain and England beat in the final. And of course, Alexi being Alexi, <laughs> saying that, you know, all will not be right in the world if England wins this. You think, you know, the English football world is unserverable now. Imagine had they won it. Well, they didn't. They end up losing to Spain 1-0 crazy match like this tournament has been need a little bit more time to like deep to dive a little bit deeper into what this world cup was all about but hey it's, it's been one heck of a run kind of sad that it's over you know even with the weird times of getting up to watch some of these matches but hey well done you know what, what a show congratulations to spain getting you know the hoist the trophy and you know, the bar has been set higher, and there are a lot of teams that are going to be competing next year at the Olympics looking for redemption. Fun times as far as the women's game is concerned. Uh, but it was kind of a bummer watching people like Lady Lowe trying to, trying to keep it together right on the set of Premier League Live. Just like, you know, you know she wanted to cuss when you know, they do that podcast, I, I forget what it's called. Yeah, my, my mind's all scrambled. But when uh, Robbie and, you know, <laughs> oh, man, they were asking her what she thought about it. And just, you know, seeing her trying to uh, restrain herself, that was worth the price of admission. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's look at what else is going on. 
big signings as far as the national, the United States <laughs> men's national team. Uh, Captain Tyler Adams signs with Bournemouth, and Sergino Dents goes to PSV. Good to see some of our talent playing in the top flight leagues of Europe. That's definitely good. Of course, I'd like to see a few more of these guys. Give MLS a try. <clears throat> as far as on the pitch, big week for City, actually. They won the Super Cup on penalties. But, of course, they take a major hit with Kevin De Bruyne going to be out by three or four months. You know, had a major injury that's going to require surgery. But, you know, they're, that, that team's loaded. They'll somehow, I think, you know, keep the course steady. And how about Pep telling a fan to come over here, you know, if you think you can do better? There was a fan that was being critical of the substitution patterns, and it's like, you realize what I've done? Yo, bitch, if you could do better, come over here to the chuck line and see what you can do. I think it's funny as hell. And props to Pep for just like, none of this rubbish. After all, look at all the trophies we just won. We just won UCL. Ah, fans are too much. Okay, so, you know, a lot of stuff going on with United this week. Obviously, the whole thing with Mason Greenwood, and that just came to a resolution. Many people in the Me Too Brigade ready to boycott if United reinstated him. You know, obviously, he was exonerated, but he admitted that he had made some mistakes in the past. And I think both sides kind of agreed it would be better for him to continue his career away from Old Trafford. Makes sense for the brand. I'm sure he can find a job in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, they'll look the other way as far as that goes. Give him an opportunity. You know, obviously, we, he was exonerated. They don't necessarily know all the facts there, but clearly, you know, something messed up went on with him. And uh, But now that he's passed it, maybe he gets an opportunity to continue his career. Like I said, I'm sure that... Uh, in Saudi, they'll find a spot for him if he can still play. This one kind of raises a few eyebrows. How about Opta saying MLS is the 29th rank, the 29th ranked league in the world? Really? Come on. MLS cannot be that bad. You're trying to tell me there's 28 leagues better than MLS? Wow. Crazy, huh? Okay. Then we have the Neymar fallout. Yeah, it was quite a week, you know, with Neymar going to Saudi. And you see all the perks he's getting. What? He's going to get a jet? A 25 servants at his disposal? More money if he says positive things about Saudi Arabia? And you have all the fanboys who feel like they've been violated and that it, you know, people crying, saying they won't want, they don't want to watch soccer anymore because <laughs> it's being ruined by the Saudis and their money. Well, boo hoo 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 hoo. I mean, let's face it, it's the most popular sport in the world, and guys like Ronaldo, now Neymar, 
many other high-profile names taking their talents there and letting other people see their talents. It's not like Europe hasn't had a decade or more of being able to watch these guys. Um, you know, yeah, it, it insults your purest instincts to think, how dare they not play in Europe? Or how dare Messi come to MLS? It's truly a global game. And, you know, some of these guys now on the backside of their careers, letting other people shh, take in their, their brilliance before it's all said and done with, is that really a bad thing? If the Floxhole doesn't think so, maybe you think otherwise. You let me know. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you think. But what it does make me wonder, you know, aside from, okay, I'm always pushing against the whole sports washing thing, but man, giving the guy money for saying positive things about Saudi, yeah, that kind of sports washing, yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering, will this Saudi Super League reignite the effort to bring back the European Super League? I think it's a strong possibility because when you look at the top 10, how many folks are not in Europe or, or England, per se, or Spain now? If you're looking around the room, that's something you don't want to see. If you're the powers that be in those countries, you know, pretty much, you know, the dominant leagues, you know, obviously Germany, and France is somewhat in Italy. But you have to wonder at some point, so they're pulling off the veil and saying, okay, we're playing for high stakes. It's on now. Let's create the Super League and forget about the pyramid and the pro bell and what, you, what I grew up with. Not saying you folks don't have a point, but the Saudis in this the Super League they are putting together, there's a lot of talent there, and it's actually becoming you know, an attractive product. Be nice if we could figure out how to watch it, I think that's going to play itself out here pretty quickly as well. Point being is, you've got to think what was off the table and completely blasphemous you know, a year and a half ago or so. That's no longer going to be the case moving forward if big name talents, you know, like Benzema, you know, Sané, Barati, continue to flock the Saudi for the cash. And if they can somehow get some kind of global distribution deal going where we can actually see these games. You know, why, why can't the Saudi League compete with the, the leagues in Europe in terms of capturing hearts and minds? Yeah, crazy times we live in, huh? All right, that's what's going on on pitch side. We'll take a look at the hardwood when we come back. Yeah, Fox Dragon of Foxhole, episode 171. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here, coming to you early on a Monday. Doing this before we have to like do our adult task and you know get a real life. Well, 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 we're getting closer and closer to basketball. 
footballs knocking on the door, and basketballs just right up the street. Told you last week about Harden, Mr. Murray, and all that stuff. I don't know what to make of it still. I had a week to sort of sit, digest, <laughs> and analyze it. And I guess what I've said about that guy before, due to cancer. And you know, when I look at someone like Mr. Murray and others who've enabled this guy's bullshit, shame on all of you. And somehow, if you are Clippers, you don't want this guy because I always try to force his way to, you know, join that circus with Kawhi and, you know, Pandemic P. <laughs> if you're the Clippers, you have your own <laughs> obstacles to overcome. And maybe if Kawhi is healthy, they can actually get on the board and shut, you know, Laker Nation and people like myself up for like two seconds. Highly unlikely, but I think you have more of a chance of doing that without Harden than with Harden, given that guy's track record and his tendency to become Houdini and disappear when it's money time. And him forcing his way out of another situation, do you really want that guy spreading, you know, his cancer to your locker room? I mean, look at the places that he's been. I mean, look, I mean, yeah, Oklahoma City is finally going to, you know, be a threat. Now, part of that's obviously with, with Westbrook and KD, but you have to, like, look at that. Look at Houston. You know, still wobbling. The Nets. Everywhere this guy goes, he leaves a smoking crater. And if they don't resolve this, Mr. Embiid's going to want his way out in Philadelphia in spite of the goodwill of Josh Harris. <laughs> They're going to be the next franchise to be a smoking crater. If you're smart, you take a pass at this guy and say, hey, man, I think they're doing something over in Saudi, man. Maybe they'll give you a big bag of money and then they can find out how toxic you are and how you are not worth the time and effort. Yeah. Okay. You got, you know, international competition heating up. I think it's really smart that Mr. Murray, fresh off of the championship, opting out of this, you know, citing the need for more recovery time. It's a very smart move. You know, I, he's obviously coming off of a the guy balled out. But, you know, he's not that far removed from that catastrophic injury. And I think it's more important for them, especially all the shit they were talking about becoming a dynasty, for him to get as much rest and be at 100% moving into this NBA season. Because after all, if you don't repeat, you're just another team that won. Unless, of course, you know, you somehow over a five-year window string together three. But, yeah, I can't fault the guy for opting out of that. I know if you all were watching yesterday, the United States and Germany, Germany kind of Jenna Schroeder among those, actually put the U.S. to the test yesterday. I mean, for a good part of that game, they were down by double digits. 
But of course, Anthony Edwards in his 34 points feels like a, a late comeback. And the U.S. ends up, I think, winning, what was it, 97-91? But definitely, you know, kind of a fun you know, game to watch on a Sunday where there was not a lot really going on other than golf and auto racing and you know, preseason football. So, yeah, cool. So we also have found out what's going to happen in Christmas. And I really kind of, you know, the, the games that they have, the two that really make my eyes open up is, first, you know, uh, you're going to have the Warriors and Suns. That ought to be kind of cool. Now, obviously, Lakers and Celtics on Christmas Day, especially now that, you know, both teams actually are good. I mean, we don't have to, like... Do, right, what can you say when it comes to Lakers and Celtics? I mean, that's the legacy league, and the legacy of the league, I, should, I mean to say. And having them as a Christmas Day showdown, you know, midday, talk about some must-see TV. Yeah, I think, you know, the NBA's hit a home run, you know, especially with the, those two matchups. So I'm looking forward to that. How about uh, seeing... Giannis at the League's Cup final, actually kicking the ball into the goal. If you're a Bucks fan, considering his nagging injuries, that's a very good sign. You know, I thought it was kind of weird that he's part owner of Nashville, and this is the first time he's ever been to you know that wonderful stadium down there in Music City. Like, dude, you're a part owner. I know you're busy with all this kind of stuff, but you think, especially since this is that's a good product they have down there. You'd have been there at least once. <laughs> but I think it's a good sign, you know, with him being able to kick the ball into the goal and do a little dance. Your Bucks fan, you're just like going, we might have hope after all. Especially if the Brewers are talking about flying the coop. Okay. Then we see pictures circulating the internet. Zion looking hella buff. <laughs> Should we take that as a good sign? I don't know what to make of that. You know, that he's not eating himself out of, you know, his, his trousers and his shoes. Yeah. But until he can actually prove to me and the rest of the basketball watching, you know, public, that he can string together a run where he actually appears in more than 30 games at a given time. I don't care how Buffy looks. I'm from Missouri. You know, show me. Prove it to me. Yeah, I, you know, I see these... It's one thing to look buff now, but who's to say you don't do something stupid between now and, you know, what the season starts, you know, right, right around Halloween. Just say you don't do something stupid before then. And we're right back where we've been for the last couple of years, where you continue to be this unfulfilled promise. Hey, how about Lemon Pepper Lou? Haven't talked about him that much lately. Obviously, we mentioned his retirement, but someone mentioned to him that if they they should give the Six Man of the Year award and name it after him. He said he and he thinks that's a great idea. Well, of course he does, but do we? Come on, Lou. 
Yeah, I gotta go do some research here in terms of great six men of all time, you know, and I don't think Jamal Crawford either when it comes to mind. I'm just thinking that when you're talking about naming a war after somebody, I don't know. You had a pretty good career, but are we going to name the sixth man of the year award after you? I think not. I think you should go back to the strip club, order yourself, you know, a extra large plate of those lemon pepper wings, and just be content with that. Crazy world. Who knows? Maybe people think otherwise. Tell me what you think. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. <laughs> Gee whiz. Yeah, they should name the uh, war after me. Okay. So, once again, mentioning the woke leader, ESPN and ABC have named their number one broadcast team coming up for the 23-24 season. Now that Van Gundy and Mark Jackson are out, it's going to be Doris Burke, Doc Rivers, and Mike Breen. Are we cool with this? I guess. I mean, I think TNT's coverage is better, and I've said that many times before. I never had a problem with Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. You know, Mark Jackson can be annoying. I thought Van Gundy was pretty solid. I'm not sure what Doc is going to bring to the table. You know, he's been a broadcaster before. I mean, Doris is okay. I got no problem with her. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not annoyed by this. You know, do, do I think they're going to make me want to watch games on the mouse more? Probably not. But, you know, once again, they could have done worse with this trio. Okay. Then my next question is, why is the NBA dragging its feet with announcing this expansion with Seattle and Vegas into the league? What is the problem over there, Mr. Silver? Get this over with. Fix the injustice that was done to Seattle and do the obvious and get Vegas in the league. Money, 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 more money, better markets, fun matchups. I mean, the Vegas Knights should already tell you that, hey, bringing Vegas in the league is probably going to be a nice hit. Okay? And the thing with Seattle, I mean, yeah, it's just, let's get this over with. Stop the speculation. Make it happen already. Okay. Let's go retro here. How about Mike Bibby? Yeah, that guy. Talk about somebody that looks buff these days. Coming out and saying the 2002 Kings were better than the Lakers. The Lakers who won three championships. I know people will always whine about the controversy. And you know, I always push back. They said if you had shot better than 60% from the line, you would have won that damn series. And no, you were not better than the Lakers. Sorry, Mr. Stoyakovich. Sorry, C-Webb. Sorry, Mr. Bibby. Sorry, Hidu Turkaloo. Vlade, as Jim Rome used to call him, Mr. Divac. No, you were not better than that team that won three in a row. Sorry. Because you won nothing other than your salty tears. So stop off that nonsense. I know you got to like tell yourself that so you can feel good about what you may have accomplished in your career, but you're not going to convince me or anybody else in Laker Nation. Now, if you hate the Lakers, you probably will agree with them, but that doesn't mean it's true. And <laughs> sometimes you can't let your feelings get in the way of reality. 
It's been kind of interesting over the WNBA. You know, when I was starting to think, you know, the Liberty, who had smoked the Aces again, I was like, wow. You know, do we have something here where the, the defending champ Aces may get knocked over the pedestal? The Aces returned the favor in Vegas and smacked them down. But then they compound it by getting beat by a very not-so-good L.A. Sparks team. So what does that tell me? Well, we should have some interesting drama when we get to the WNBA playoffs. Looking forward to that. I know our girl Sabrina I is balling out, you know, with B-Stew. Um, yeah, a lot of folks are really stepping up over there and more talent to come, you know, with the blossoming ladies in the NCAA. So good times over there in the WNBA. All right, folks, we're rocking and rolling. We'll come back with a closer look on the other side. Foxhole, approaching the 10 o'clock hour, <sighs> stuck watching some Little League Baseball, you know, waiting for some Premier League Mondays. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Little League World Series, never have been, can't, you know, can't help it, but that's just, that's just me, huh? Also got a little Ravens and Commanders a little bit later, so you know I'm excited about that. But let's get to where we opinionate, editorialize, talk a little trash, ruminate, you know, all those sort of things. A closer look. Where shall we start? Okay. The League's Cup finished in blazing fashion Saturday night. Mr. Messi delivering. Give Nashville all sorts of props. It was a great match. And in a long series of incredible matches for folks who think MLS is a scrub league, this is a fantastic showcase. It was a little bit tough, you know, for the Liga MX squads having to, you know, battle logistics being on the road in the case of Monterrey. But uh, I think this tournament was a smashing success and kind of a great launching pad for where MLS can go moving forward. Now, clearly, it wasn't messy alone, you know, bringing over a Jody Alba, Mr. Busquets, and obviously, you know, getting my man from Atlanta over there. That's a very solid team. And I was skeptical at first. I'll be the first to admit it. But, you know, this is they're the real deal. Or, and I said, you know, when Messi first took the pitch and got a, glim a, a glimpse of him in game one, I'm like, okay, this is definitely going to be must-see. It definitely delivered. It's unfortunately that my LAFC stumbled and we didn't get a chance to put Messi in his place, we'll get, you know, September 3rd. But nonetheless, 
fantastic entry, and I think that if MLS adds a fourth DP, what they're talking about next year, and also loosens up its salary rules, you know, that whole thing of Opta saying it's a the 29th ranked league in the world, that's going to change pretty quickly. And the amount of talent that want to come over here, I, mean, I think if it, if it wasn't for the messed up salary rules, Neymar may have came over here. Although you got to admit, you know, your own jet and, you know, 25 servants, you know, a helicopter at your disposal and all this other stuff. I don't know if you know, MLS could have put together anything like that because unlike Messi, you know, it's still all about the prime dollars. You know, Messi's like, I, I've been getting paid. I'm going to get paid elsewhere. But that said, you know, what he did on the pitch, in spite of what people like the Stephen A. say about this being a scrub league, you don't sit there. That goal he scored on Saturday night, you know, right in front of three defenders, you know, that scrub league or not, that's incredible. And he showed his wizardry. Something you didn't see in Paris. He was good in Paris, but not dominating like this. And the eyeballs that tune and just making the whole Apple gamble really pay off in terms of the amount of folks who subscribe to the the League Pass or whatever you know. It's streaming platform. You know, I was wondering at first, but as I've been saying all season long. This is one of the best things going. And it's a wonderful thing to, to see someone like Messi, who obviously has plenty in the tank still, come over here and give this league an incredible boost. And I think, hopefully, this is you know the springboard that gets MLS into the conversation as far as being one of the top 10 teams globally. No reason for it not to. Yeah? All right. But, you know, congratulations to Inter-Miami. See how they do once, you know, now that MLS has started. As I've said, they've got a long way to go in terms of being able to just even make the playoffs. But with this squad and what we saw in the League's Cup, no reason for them not to. All right. Let's talk a little documentary watching. I got to watch two documentaries this past week that I've been meaning to watch but hadn't had a chance to. Where shall I start? Let's start with the Johnny Football documentary. You know, got some good insights there about the whole myth of it, you know, that he came from oil money and how that was kind of made up. And I don't know. I came away not sympathetic. You know, I won't go as harsh as Brian Leaf, who's continuing to push harder and harder in terms of why are we feeling sorry. But I came away thinking this guy is really a dirtbag, but full-level douche. I wasn't really sympathetic towards him. Kind of, you know, it was good to, to see the story and get some more details about his journey. But I look at that and go, man, you could have really been something if you weren't such an asshole and, you know, basically poured kerosene on your career. You know, you're really fortunate that your folks, you know, you know bless them for, you know, supporting you and, you know, being somebody that you could lean on. Because otherwise, I mean, this it really, you kind of come, come across like that, you know, Sharon Stone character 
in casino, right? Just so unlikable, and you know, you're not really disappointed in terms of the the, the, the bad outcome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. I'd love to get your insights on that, you know, FTINFX at Gmail. But yeah, definitely came away with that, not feeling too too keen on Johnny football. And, you know, it, it's, it's really fascinating because you get a little taste of pre-NIL and what guys like him who bring a lot of money into their schools and the kind of frustration which allowed you know the whole name image and likeness to come to fruition and it really kind of sucks for him that you know he had to you know go against the grain he had to go against the grain in terms of uh getting his piece of the pie and so yeah it's um you know crazy when you sit there and think about that right how this guy set what was a promising career completely on flames and ended up in the dumpster fire and but he's not even you know he was in that fan controlled league for a couple of minutes and I don't even think he's doing anything right now other than you know kicking back playing golf with his dead you know it's kind of sad not unsympath I mean, I don't have any sympathy for that, for it being sad because, you know, he took the gun, you know, to his career and blew it to smithereens. Okay, let's get to the other documentary, the Balco documentary. If you watch that, and, you know, it's not, for me at least, it wasn't anything I didn't already kind of know, just a little bit more scenery and, and detail added to it. But it does give you great insight into kind of the things I'm always harping on in terms of not being able to trust these athletes and not being able to resist the performance enhancing drugs and the benefits that come along with that, you know, and there's the whole thing, you know, especially getting some insight with Mr. Conte and Tim Montgomery and the quest to set the world record, you know, obviously you know, Barry and Marion Jones and all of those sort of things. But it just cemented for me what I've been saying for many, many years. And the folks who know me, that nobody's ever stopped cheating. It's just you're always trying to stay one step ahead of being able to get, being, <laughs> not, not getting caught, okay, you know. And, you know, the people that do get caught, it's because you get sloppy and careless. You know, it's kind of funny about how, you know, right, Conte not doing, you know, not really monitoring his garbage and allowing, you know, the feds to be able to get in there and piece the case together. You know, you got careless. And a lot of times people do get careless with that. You know, that ramble aside. But, yeah, if you watch this, I think it shows you why we're still seeing people... <laughs> getting busted, getting detected, you know, for using performance enhancing drugs. I mean, there's money involved, there's ego, you know, all kinds of twisted things that, for me, there's no doubt. And I have a feeling there's sports that we've never even thought about where people are doing amazing things 
that you have to look at it with a very, you know, jaundiced eye, like saying, is this really what it is? Nothing's really changed since then, right? Obviously, this was the early 2000s, as far as, you know, the, the meat of that documentary. But as I've been saying on this podcast now for a while, some of the performances that we're seeing right now that are eye-popping, it's like, oh, okay, well, you've figured out a better version of the of the uh, of HGH, right? The the clear and the cream and all that other stuff. So, yeah. All right, folks, we'll wrap things up with uh, the NFL report and some TMC hate time on the other side. So 171, Fox Truck in the Foxhole. Watching a little Sports Center as they are talking about my man Sam Howell, just named the starter for the Commanders. Commanders and the Ravens tonight, so we'll get another helping or serving to see whether or not the decades long quest to find a real good could be one. Yeah, okay. We'll see. My man Kurt Cousins was all right, but they're really hoping that Sam Howell can actually go where a lot of people have failed in the nation's capital. How about preseason and all these scary injuries? And it always sort of comes back to, gee, what is the point of what is the point of it all? And I've said, you know, maybe have the floor. And I, could, I mean, I'm old school. So I remember way, way back in the day before you know we went to a 16-game season when they played six preseason games. Think about that. There were six preseason games. And, you know, maybe because I was younger, didn't understand as much. I mean, obviously what happened to Daryl Stingley is a, is a complete outlier. How horrible that was. But it seems that more and more we're seeing scarier, scarier injuries. Had a game stopped because, you know, people were so freaked out. And I think in that Eagles-Browns game, got a couple of guys carted off with what looked like serious injuries. And it's a violent game, so I don't want to sit here and get too judgmental on the preseason and whatnot. But, yeah, kind of sucks that when these games don't count and you're sort of seeing some of these, you know, life-threatening injuries and people getting shooken up and games being stopped. But hey, it's a violent game and it's bigger and stronger as I was talking about in the last segment, you know, as far as, you know, these superhumans that we are, you know, manifesting. <laughs> manifesting. Woo. Tough getting that one out. But yeah. Then you've got, you know, Jimmy Graham getting arrested to protect himself because he was having a seizure. That's kind of scary as well. Hopefully that works out well and he'll be able to help out Mr. Carr over there in New Orleans and that he'll be able to get past that. But yeah, you know, had to get put in bracelets to basically protect him from himself. So 
And obviously, you know, more details coming about about the whole thing with Mr. Haskins, and that's getting more tawdry. Definitely want to wait for that story to play itself out before I comment it fully again there. You know, his folks are, or I shouldn't say his folks, but, you know, his people are definitely getting some settlements, so there must be some kind of truth to it, or folks just wanting to walk away from that. Okay. So, talked about this a little bit last week. Take a little bit more. You have to wonder, is Trey Lance playing himself out of the league? I know 49er fans don't want to hear that or try to push back on people being so critical. I mean, I didn't get a chance yet to unpack how he looked yesterday against the Broncos as I was watching uh, MLS. But, you know, when I saw that Raiders game, you know, and like I said last week, the capital they gave up for him, I mean, if he doesn't show more. Who's going to trade for him if they want to move on? You know, obviously, Kyle S. seems to be very happy with Brock Purdy. You know, understandable based on what Mr. Purdy did last year. You know, the idea would be to get enough exposure to where you could get something back considering all you gave up for him. But right now, I ain't seeing it. All right. Jonathan Taylor leaves camp again. Got to wonder, is he actually even going to play for the Colts this year? Talked about last week, you know, what Matt Ryan said about the Colts just being a dumpster fire and, you know, having one of their best players, especially, you know, when you're going to send Anthony Richardson out there to the Lions, you know, basically from day one. This is not good if you're an Indianapolis fan. Simple as that. You have A-Rodge, who says he's going to actually take a few snaps in the last preseason game. He's not concerned about the Jets' shaky O-line. Well, you know, he's getting a little longer than two, but he's still, you know, adroit and you know, can, can move in the pocket well. But if that line is as shaky as it's appeared to be in these games and some of these scrimmages, I don't know. You know, one thing, though, having Dalvin Cook hook up with the Rogers Express is definitely going to be a boost. A lot of people have some high aspirations for him, for the Jets. And, you know, having somebody like Cook already with the pieces that they've put around, you know, props to, to, to A-Rodge. I've been critical on him. But going the Brady route and foregoing some of that salary so they can add pieces like this, this is how you put yourself in a position to compete for championships. That's why Brady has seven of them. Okay. Oh, and speaking of Brady, how about Gronk? I don't know. He's, I think he's just pulling people's leg, but he says actually Brian DeBull, you know, the coach of the Giants, he's the one guy that could convince him to unretire. But he also says, oh, man, who's getting who here, man? And that guy could get back in shape again. So I think Gronk's just making people laugh. But then again, it would not shock me if Gronk had another act in him. And let's face it, even if he's 50 or 60%, you know putting him with Darren Waller and a two tight end set with you know Daniel Jones, yeah, that would be something to keep an eye on. So we'll see how that plays out if Gronk's just fucking with us or he's actually going to unretire and Go Broadway. Can you imagine A-Rodge and Gronk, you know, in Broadway? Yeah. 
Okay. So what about all these joint practices and the tippers that are flaring? Gee, what a surprise that you put teams together in a joint practice situation that people are flexing, starting fights, and trouble all over the place. Do I want to be jelly judgmental about it? No, but what would you expect to happen when these guys who've been sitting here, you know, obviously only getting getting so much game time, you know, because you got to make sure you're going to look at everybody in the actual preseason games, wanting to get out and hit somebody and all the trash talk that people do these days. Of course people are brawling. Some good fights this past week, you know, the Commanders and the Ravens, Jets and the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, just a bunch of snarling dogs all over the place. <laughs> okay. Eagles linebacker Miles Jack, who just joined the team recently, retiring at 27. Just saying, yeah, you know, screw it. I'm done with this. I got other things I want to do. Which, as I've been saying for the last three years, not shocking. We're going to see more folks doing with Jim Brown and leaving the game in their 20s. I mean, if you're not a complete knucklehead and you haven't pissed your buddy away, yeah, I can see, you know, going to live your best life. You know, have who needs two-a-days and you know, playing cold games and turf, you know, or crappy surfaces like at FedEx in November, December, into January when you could be kicking back in Mazatlan sipping out a Mai Tai with your Instagram model. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I can see not having a stomach for that sort of thing, at, you know, even at 27. Hey, best wishes to you. Okay. Told you last week about Ezekiel hooking up with Bill. So what do we think? How is Bill and Zeke going to work out? Okay. This is going to be one of those where I'm going to have to come back and say, you know, pull the call on where, where, where I was right or wrong. I'm going to say this is actually going to work out well because I can see Zeke having kind of a Corey Dillon type of, of, I don't know, how do I say this? Renaissance? Yeah, in New England. I'm not saying he's going to be dominant, but I think he could be a nice additional cog to whatever Mac Jones and company are going to put together as far as being able to compete in a very competitive AFC East. So, yeah, I think this is a good addition. You know, why not? If he's a bust, <laughs> oh, well, you know, you're already mediocre. But he might, if he's got something in him and can definitely help them in short yardage situations and in goal line type of situations as far as getting the ball over the goal line, could be a win-win for Mr. Bill. We shall see. Okay, you know, I was thinking about watching the other night, watching Marcus Mariota. I mentioned him earlier with the whole Bo Nix billboard thing. I was thinking about this the other day, about Marcus and Chip. What really went wrong there? Remember when he was coming out of Oregon and you know, Chip was doing his stint in the Eagles and people were like, hey, if you put those two together, they will burn up the league. Well... That never happened, and neither one of them have burned up the league. Chip's obviously at UCLA, 
basically, you know, their UCLA was better last year, but we, we can fairly say that he hasn't really been that successful, even at Westwood. You know, he obviously know the situation before the Irish was a joke. Marcus, uh, his career has really been, you know, kind of boring, actually, if not unflattering. When you think about getting ran out of Tennessee by Ryan Tannehill, not being good enough to unseat Mr. Carr, a very felt stop in Atlanta. Now he's in Philadelphia where he should have probably been many years ago, but that probably wouldn't have worked either. But it's just kind of interesting when we like, you know, get put in our time machine thinking that they were supposed to be the future of the NFL. It didn't quite work out that way. Some things don't go as expected. Okay. Lastly, before we get to Team CA time. Gotta ask this once again. So is betting on the Lions to make the playoffs a smart bet? Well, I'll say this. I don't think it's a dumb bet. I'm not sure it's a smart bet. I'm still kind of iffy about, you know, the NFC Central. Just because I don't think that, at least on paper, is a strong division. And I can see, you know, nine and eight winning that division. And based on what we saw last year, that could easily be the Lions. I mean, I see the Vikings taking a step back, especially without Mr. Cook. I don't know what's going to happen with Mr. Love and the Packers. I can't see them actually setting the world on fire. Mr. F Mr. Fields and his cookies in the Windy City. Some people, you know, see them as being a breakout team. Others see them being the busters they've been for many, many, many years. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's a dumb bet. I'm not sure it's a smart bet, but I don't know if anybody in that division is a smart bet as far as making the playoffs go. But we all know this. It's a pretty level playing field, so everybody's got more than a puncher's chance to actually win the playoffs, especially if they do well in the division. So there you go. Okay, let's get the TMCA time. Let's hand out those stainless steel bowls, stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties that come in complimentary regular XL sizes. Well, let's see here. I'm gonna start out, I'm gonna give a regular to Dion. I'm so done with this fake tough guy bullshit. You know, I'll rescind it if your team delivers. But right now, all this tough guy nonsense, it's just so annoying. And because people are enamored with you and always have been, you're getting a pass. If it was anybody else, you'd be being clowned so hard right now for this. So you better deliver on the field. That's all I got to say, Coach Prime. I'm going to give an XL to ESPN for allowing First Fake to stay on the air. Talk about a waste of space of two hours in the morning. I don't care if Stephen A is there or not. Like I said, this has nothing to do with woke, gender, or race in terms of the personalities. It's just the content is bad, and it's just stealing oxygen that the rest of us need to breathe on this planet. 
that'd be a complete waste of space. You know, I never in life could say, gee whiz, Skip, can you get your ass back on the TV just so I can see what you've got? Because, yeah, 7 to 9 on the West Coast, it's just not good watching that nonsense. And more often than not, I have to turn it off after five minutes. Okay, we're just going to give complimentaries. The NFL fans already in, in, in mid-season form fighting in the stands in the parking lots during preseason. I mean, it's one thing that you're spending money for an exhibition, but really, to get into a fight over games that don't count in the standings and acting like a fool, and like yesterday, watching 49er fans beat each other up? What? You go into a stadium, so, I mean, go join a fight club. <laughs> go get your MMA on somehow, right? I just don't understanding all the right... In preseason, battle royales going on. Eh, good grief. I'm going to give an XL to the Mount Diablo Unified School District. Adding to the madness. Some good history is good, folks. I mean, yeah, I talked about this earlier. The school in Concord dropping the men nickname because we don't really want mascots of human likeness. Can't we have some history, folks? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give a five strip, five XLs, you know, and I'll rescind this if it turns out to be otherwise. But the, the Hawaii water official that waited five hours to release additional water because he had woke notions of equity and wanted fair outcomes when you're having a very you know, serious, you know, life-threatening episode and you're letting your whack politics get in the way? Wow, that's insanity. Got to unpack more, but even initially, just even thinking that's true, that's definitely worth five XLs of the smelliest varieties, stainless steel balls for people. And how about the clown? This is, a, this is two XLs. That stoops so low as when, you know, the uh, Liberty were in Vegas to still Sabrina's, or Sabrina Ones, Sabrina, you know, Sabrina I, our girl, our local hero from the point of the U of O. Come on. She's got special inserts in her shoes. Come on, people. you got to be better than that, man. You know, you have to look over at the aces and go, hey, your people are the only ones who had access Come on, somebody come clean and give Sabrina back her shoes, man. They don't have to stoop that low, right? Okay. Um, I'm going to give an XL to the fool that came out on, I think it was a Deadspin, that says Mr. Zickenberg could actually win a pro MMA fight. You know, I'm like, come on, dude. It's one thing that he probably could beat. Mr. Musk has asked, but do you really think he would step in the ring against a real MMA fighter and not get a string knock loose? Stop it with that nonsense. I don't know what kind of brownie points you're trying to score. I'm going to give an XL to KD as well. Getting butted up out in public at a concert? Okay, yeah, it's legal in some places and, you know, the NBA is relaxed. But come on, man. Set a better example than that. You shouldn't be all getting butted up out in the open, man. 
Right. Trying to make yourself seem like you're a little cool. Nah, dude. Lastly, I'm going to give two XLs to AEW. This is the wrestling circuit. There's one of their stars, Cash Wheeler, pointing a gun at somebody in a road rage accident. Talk about, you know, being roided up. Yeah. Another crazy week out there in the foxhole, folks. I'm going to try to come back at you quickly this week with, with lots more content. Hell yeah. Anyways, enjoy the adult beverages. Stay safe. A lot of crazy stuff going on across the country, weather-wise. People ill and whatnot. Football's coming here, folks. I think we're on the doorstep of week zero. So anyways... We'll be back quickly in a couple of days with another episode. We got guests coming. Meanwhile, keep it real, keep it clean. We'll see you soon.